God, we, uh, we recognize that what you're doing in our midst, uh, this unity we've been talking about, this blending of lives together is, is only possible in you. Lord, it's really through your spirit, it's through our submission to you, our dependency on you that you do stuff like this. Lord, that you make room for oneness and relationships and connections and bodies. And, and uh, when we really put your will first, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we trust in that today. We trust in what you're doing in our midst. Lord, we just almost sit back in awe of just the wonder of, of all the different levels of you that, that we sense in this. And so we trust you today. We trust you for each individual life here. We trust you for our corporate life together. And now our new family over on South Memorial, Lord, we just trust you as our hearts are connected. We honor you today as King of kings and Lord of lords. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen. Just take a minute and greet a neighbor. You know, when we do this, this is, you're speaking life to each other, so give, speak some grace and peace over each other this morning. Thank you all. Appreciate you doing this, man. Glad to be here. It's be a good thing. Yes. How long have you all been married? So we did premarital counseling about three years ago, probably. Something like that. Good morning. It's a good thing to have to quiet you down a little bit. It's a good thing to enjoy life together. And, and we are, boy, are you enjoying this weather? Is this sweet? It's wonderful. Um, thankful for Ben and the Wells for slipping in. They've got to slip back over now to uh, South Memorial. They're uh, going to have an opportunity to kind of get with the band now and, and um, kind of coordinate with them. They've got a special place in my heart. I did their premarital counseling about three years ago, and so they... Ben told me they've been married now two, two years and three months, and so uh, I was pretty impressed that he knew that detail. That's, that's impressive, but they are a wonderful couple, not only in how God uses them, but just uh, to watch their life together, and so we're excited to enjoy them this spirit. I'm going to ask Ed to come, and he slipped in, and 
It's got to slip back out again and just kind of give us a quick update. As we mentioned earlier, we're excited about what's happening. Good things are happening. And so tell us what's on your heart. Well, we are moving forward to 20, October 23rd when the two communities merge together. And uh, there's both an anticipation because of just the sheer joy of sharing together uh, with uh, uh, Brent and Janice and, and all of the team, with Preston, everybody that's involved on our team and your team, leaders getting together, volunteers getting together. Uh, it's wonderful to watch that. Uh, and there's a kind of anticipation that there's a sense of a kiss from heaven in it, and we're kind of in the smack of it. Um, but we're also, because we've been doing this longer than a week <laughs> as pastors, uh, we also know that change messes with everybody. It just does. And it's not big things usually. Philosophically, you can jump in. You can see something. It's the little things, like someone sitting in your seat, <laughs> you know? You know, I, I, I'm kind of a Zeos fan, you know, here in town, Zeos. And, you know, every time they've changed their menu, I went into an offense mode for about six months. You know, that soup, the new soup isn't what the old soup was thing, you know. And, and the truth of the matter is it's always the little things that bother us. And switching service times, um, this community is used to having one service at 10. You're going to be having two services, 9 and 11. Just that alone might be enough to just you know, irritate a little bit or, or coming in, you're, there, there's going to be an invasion of, of, of hundreds of different new people here that are going to be sitting in CCU's sitting and maybe you're going to, it, just the point is, it's easy to get offended. And my encouragement is, let's run at each other and have open hearts. I mean, I love hearing the stories of, of, of volunteers that are coming together and leaders that are coming together in this context and in, in, in the context in South Tulsa and just the graciousness that has been shown. Uh, the truth of the matter is we have to keep doing that. It's going to take us months to figure out, you know, who gets to sleep where, <laughs> right? And which way the toilet paper goes, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, and there's a right way, right? <laughs> so my encouragement is uh, that we remember our Lord and that we remember that uh, moving toward each other is always a messy endeavor. And that uh, our hearts, there's nobody trying to take over anybody else. There's so much respect for, I think, in our hearts, our community's hearts, uh, for what you guys have done here and for what you are doing here and for your leadership here. There's just nothing but respect. And I feel that from you guys to us. This is not about anybody doing anything but just moving toward each other and loving each other. That doesn't mean it won't be messy, though. So thank you for buckling up, and let's stay sweet and keep loving Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And talk about love. We'll talk about love a lot, you know? and it'll work out. Amen? Amen? Love you guys. Love you too. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I wish you could be in some of our meetings and... and uh, phone conferences and so forth. There's just such a great spirit together as our lives are connecting. And, and uh, again, God seems to be smiling in so many different ways. Let's just prepare to, to worship the Lord in our giving this morning. So many of you have, and, and I can't tell you what it means to us. So many of you have said, what can we do? What can we do to help in the process? Some of you that, that uh, you know, are saying, if I need to sweep something, I'll sweep something. You know, just, just whatever. And I can't tell you what that means to us when we hear that kind of response from you, that you're willing to get in and roll your sleeves up and, and adjust in a, in a new life experience here. And, 
And um, certainly one of the things that you can do to continue to help the process is just continue in your faithful giving. Uh, as you can imagine, we're in blending lives together. There are, there are things that, um, you know, obviously we have to continue to support and fund. And, you know, one of the things we're developing is they, their children's check-in system is a little more advanced than ours. And so we need a little bit of equipment for those kinds of things. And, and uh, yet we're trying to just really, really limit um, any extra things, but uh, just just doing life together. You, you all know when you first got married, it just took, you know, you had to buy a vacuum cleaner, and we do have vacuum cleaners here, but, um, you know, you had to kind of do extra stuff, and so just um, continuing that, we'd appreciate it. Um, Pastor David Gunger is going to be here with our youth this Wednesday night. Uh, he and Bill are going to be collaborating, and, and you're going to, uh, if you've not yet met him already, would encourage you to to have youth to, to come and, and connect with him and as they begin to develop um, uh, a life together, uh, he begin to kind of talk about the scheduling and we're going to have uh, separate experiences for our junior high and our senior high and, and uh, we've been uh, wanting to see that for some time and so that'll be a, a great thing that's going to take place. And also, I'm, I've got, um, is Rabu here? I know Sandy's here. Why is Rabu not here? Isn't he, isn't he saying something now? Are you, you're doing it. Ken is doing it. All right. Yeah, and Sandy. Sandy, come on. Um, Kina. Um, going to come and kind of, uh, because, again, of your request, um, going to be able to tell you a little bit more how you can get involved. All right. Well, you know if I'm up here, it's about kids. Um, Rabu is up there with your kids because we didn't want to leave them unsupervised. And so we're really against leaving them unsupervised. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> we, uh, you know, I was thinking about how to draw on your hearts, pull on your hearts. It's not my job. That's the Holy Spirit. So listen to the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart to get involved, you know, I was thinking, you know, the best way to move with the change is to get involved. Find somewhere to plug in because then it's easy if you don't get plugged in to sit back and judge. And that's not a place you want to be. So get plugged in. If kids are your heart, we want you. We want you, we want you, and we will put you somewhere fantastic. Um, we're, going, we're growing, obviously, to the two services, but we're also doing something new and exciting with the older kids in kids' life. We're going to split them up. This is something that we've been wanting to do for a long time, but we didn't have enough people or volunteers. Well, we have plenty of kids, but we still don't have enough volunteers. So we need more volunteers to be able to split the younger grades together so we can really reach them where they are. And then with the older kids, kind of begin to develop them in a way that they need to be developed at that fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. So um, we will have information over here applications to fill out because we do have to do background checks and um, that's a safety measure we, we appreciate and um, that will all be at the information desk over here if you will just listen to the Holy Spirit during the service and see what he says because if that's not where you're supposed to be we definitely don't want you but if that is where you're supposed to be be obedient and respond and sign up and then also were you going to talk about this I will let you do it okay <clears throat> I'm Sandy Minardi, and you can't guess why I'm up here. In life. <laughs> um, I am uh, going to kind of head up the greeting area, the, the greeters and the hospitality. So uh, since we are going from one service to two, that means there's an awesome opportunity for those of you who 
have that gift, um, and I, you know who you are, and um, I know the Holy Spirit also will convict you in that. I know um, the way I feel about it is, is it's, it's our opportunity when people start their day, when they first come into the church, to have that experience of love and welcome and just, I mean, let them be able to put everything else aside that might be in their life and enter into a place of warmth and love and family that they can be nurtured on. So if, if you feel like that's your calling, I will also be out here um, after the service and have a sign-up sheet for those who may be interested. Thanks. Awesome. I have to say a quick mom word. Um, you know, this week I was thinking about as we merge together what it's going to be like, and I would flash back to when Preston was little, and I have almost a five-year gap between Preston and the other kids, and we had three and five years. But I remember being so anxious to have a new baby. I wanted one so desperately. And then about a week before she was born, I panicked because what if I couldn't love her the way I loved him? Or what if I was taking something away from him in having another baby? And so there was that panic there of, I want to love them both, but am I jipping him in some way? And I couldn't help but think of what we're doing here. Tuesday night, we had some of the ladies from Sanctuary came over to my house as a part of our tea on the lawn. And I saw them blend in with you guys, and I saw how cool they were. And it flashed me back to, you know what? It's good to have a sibling. Adding a sibling to the family brings more joy and more life. And so I think we're going to be a wonderful family, all loving each other, and that it's for all of our good that we're together. Thank you. And as we talk about these areas, um, again, to work in the children's area, you don't have to have a Ph.D. in early childhood education. Um, you just have a, have a heart for it. And our goal here has always been, and I know it is sanctuary, is to not burn anybody out. It's to get everybody involved and, and spread the load out. And so we're talking, you know, once a month kind of thing or once every other month kind of commitments. And so um, just if you feel something nudging in you, just, uh, just go talk to the ladies and thank you for overseeing those particular areas. Everybody should have gotten one of these or is probably close to your seat when you walked in. A way that you can help us, a very practical way, um, is to just fill that out real simply. Um, just do you, th now you don't, we're not going to, you know, sign you up and put your social security number and stamp it on you. And if you go to the wrong service, then you can't go in or anything, okay? But, but just as we kind of man these um, different, different things, we, it would be helpful for us to know how many of you are planning to come to which, which services in what location. And so um, if you can fill that out, which campus will be you, you'll be attending, which service do you think, how many adults, how many children, ages of the children, so we can do the best we can to kind of prepare for this. Okay, did I cover everything probably? Okay, let's, uh, let's pray as we give this morning. Um, I have asked... Um, Preston to come and share this morning. He did a series at Emmaus Road on, on just experiencing Jesus in all different aspects of the scripture and life. And it was, it was so significant that I wanted him to come and, and share this morning. And so he'll be the next voice that will come and share with us today. Also, you're noticing that we're kind of revamping our service a little bit. Uh, we're moving communion back into the middle of the service. We used to do it that way. 
um, because we are, again, kind of getting ready for an hour and 15-minute services. And some of you don't think we can do this. Um, and just, just watch, okay? And so we are committed to doing that, and that's going one of the things that's helpful. for. So some of you probably need to come before we turn the lights out, okay, before we uh, – uh, so you don't miss communion, and and uh, so you can kind of experience that whole process, and and so just be aware of that. Um, so if we can all get here more on time, we can all experience it. Okay, Father, thank you for, once again, life and and uh, freedom that we find in you, um, the experience of, of unity that we're already beginning to experience and connect with, and we just anticipate more and more. Um, we know you know what you're doing here, and I pray that you'll continue to guide and direct our steps. I pray for your blessing now on everybody that is stepping out in faith and giving and, and responding um, in all the different ways they're giving. We honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you all this morning? Good. It's, it's good to be here. Um, really exciting things happening in the life of our church. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to, we're going to start in the book of Genesis chapter 1 this morning. One of the things, um, my dad mentioned this series that we did at Emmaus Road, and, and one of the things that I love about the scriptures and the scriptural story is that all throughout scripture, there are several and, and, well, many very distinct themes that you can kind of trace all throughout the scriptural story. These grand narratives that speak something really powerful about who God is. And a lot of these narratives start, you know, you see in the Old Testament. You see them work out in the Old Testament. But then the New Testament writers do this brilliant job of taking those themes and showing how the person of Jesus is actually the fulfillment of all of those different themes. Um, one of the themes that we see is the theme of God's presence. God revealing himself in various different ways. We see the spirit of God hovering over the water, this idea of presence and creation. We see the tabernacle and the temple, these dwelling places of God. And then finally, God dwelling among his people in the person of Jesus and the continuation of the spirit of Jesus in us. Another grand theme is Torah or covenant, right? The Torah and its law were not a bad thing. They were, um, they were a guide for God's people, a way of being, a way of living out um, God's redemption in the world. But we also um, know that the law in and of itself was incomplete, and Jesus actually became the new Torah, the new covenant, and the new Torah giver. And if you read the Sermon on the Mount, you see that Jesus is actually giving this new law or the fulfillment of the old law. Another grand theme is God's word or God's speaking throughout the scriptural story. The speaking of God, wherever God speaks, his word creates, his word heals, his word challenges. And then we see that Jesus is the ultimate speaking of God. He is God's word. Now today I want to look at a theme that sometimes uh, can get neglected. And this is God's activity through wisdom. This is one that we maybe don't think quite as much about, but God's wisdom. I want to do something a little bit different. Um, I want us to take a minute and read a pretty good chunk of Genesis chapter 1. 
Now, those of us that may have been around the church for a while, this may be very familiar to us. But my hope this morning is as we kind of open our ears and our hearts and kind of place ourselves in this creation story, that God will speak something new to us. You might even close your eyes as we read this. Place yourself in this story. And I'll read this here. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land and gathered the waters he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark the seasons and days and years and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea, and every living and moving thing with which the water teems according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock, creatures that move along the ground and wild animals each according to their kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. 
rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. We see in this story, in this Genesis story, this wise creator who has a place for everything. Such a detailed chapter. A lot of people think um, that this is actually, well, we know that this is actually written in a poetry type of form. There's supposed to be a rhythm and a meter to it in the original language. And there's a place for everything, this wise creator creating. We see that God creates in pairs, light and darkness, water and land, animals and humans, male and female. And God does not create just by happenstance. There's intentionality behind creation. And this intentionality, we could say, and these pairs even point to the reality of the ultimate pair, heaven and earth, that are coming together. But we talk about God as a wise creator. But God's wisdom, sometimes we think about God's wisdom, is not just an attribute of God in the scripture. It actually becomes, and as you read the Old Testament, it becomes another way of actually speaking about God himself, wisdom. And probably the first place that we may see this is Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, 22. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. This is wisdom speaking. Before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled in place. Before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence." Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in humankind. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves. All who hate me love death. This is an interesting section of the book of Proverbs. Wisdom is personified. Wisdom here is a person. And all throughout Proverbs, we see that. The proverb here is talking about what we consider an attribute of a person. A person is wise. But it's actually written in first person. It's as if this wisdom person is speaking. Which, by the way, earlier chapters, this is wisdom is given a feminine um, gender here earlier in the chapter. Wisdom is writing the proverb. Within Judaism, there is what, uh, what's called the wisdom tradition, which is based on several different sections of the biblical story, which recognize the mystery of wisdom in the created order. An Old Testament scholar by the name of Walter Brueggemann says, Wisdom in the Old Testament refers to a body of accumulated teaching based on discernment and reflection about the character and mystery of life. 
So what the wisdom tradition tries to do is to seek out God's created order in the world. How did God create and order the world? Often using common sense to get to God's desire for humankind. But wisdom is not just pragmatism, right? It's not just what's pragmatic. It's actually based on theology. Wisdom is a desire to look at the world around us, to reflect on that world, and to seek out ways of being in the world. Much of theology is based on what we might say God's revelation. It's based, on, based rightly on God telling humanity what to do and how to live. And wisdom is kind of that working out in between revelation. That working out every day of what it means to be human. In this passage in Proverbs, in the preceding verses, Lady Wisdom calls people to herself so that they can learn what it means to be human in the world. Now remember, sometimes when we say being human, we have kind of a bad connotation for that. Uh, but being human is not something bad. Um, sometimes we'll even say, I'm only human, right? And that's like, that means I'm, I'm bad somehow or I'm, I'm broken. But being human actually, in, in, its, in its original form, means reflecting the image of God. That's what it means to be human. Now, of course, humans are broken because of sin. The whole world is broken. But God desires to heal us and to put us back together and to lead us into what true humanity really is. So wisdom and revelation are kind of different things. Revelation is like the dramatic things, right, that we see in the Bible often. The things that Yahweh does for his people, miracles, the giving of the law, these kinds of things. These are like top-down experiences, and they're incredibly important. This is what, what life is based around. There are times when God miraculously acts or speaks in the world. But wisdom tells us that there, are also, there also is space for experiences from below, for study, for reflection, for the working out of everyday humanity. And the wisdom tradition of the Bible embraces this time in between revelation. When we're to work out the things of life by experience, by reflection, by study, in the midst of day in and day out, birth and death, love and hate, joy and strife, good and evil, peace and war, these everyday kind of experiences. So the wisdom, wisdom doesn't compete with revelation. It works in harmony with revelation. Now, uh, when we talk about the wisdom tradition, what are we talking about? Well, in our Bible, what we might point to most specifically is Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the book of Job. We see this wisdom tradition kind of worked out. Now, for some of us, those aren't really fun <laughs> chapters and books to read, right? Those aren't the really dramatic ones. They're kind of everyday wisdom. Sometimes they even look like they contrast other places in the Bible because it's talking about wisdom, these in-between spaces. N.T. Wright, a, a theologian, says, wisdom in the biblical tradition includes in its wide embrace both the encyclopedic collection and the arrangement of the data the evidence, the facts, and the strange, soft something which sneaks round the back and asks the question, but what's it all for? What does it all mean? And what should we do with it? This definition of wisdom keeps us away of, of some of the dangers, from some of the dangers that can often be associated with the idea of wisdom. A lot of, have ever heard of Gnostic teaching? 
A lot of Gnostic teaching can be centered around the Sophia or the wisdom. So if you search the word Sophia, which is just the word wisdom, um, you, you find all kinds of like creepy websites and stuff, right? Um, so, so that's not what we're talking about here. But if we root wisdom in the ordering of creation, right, in our reflection on God's gift to us, then we can avoid those dangers. And also, the idea that it's important for us to remember, the idea of wisdom is not reserved for a few who can attain this secret knowledge, but it can be sought out by all. Let me say something just for a second, because I skipped over it early a little bit, but a word about the, the gender for, um, the female gender for wisdom in Proverbs. And I don't want to emphasize this too much, because it's not the main thrust of our sermon today, but one thing that the wisdom tradition can do is it shows us that God possesses the beautiful attributes of femininity as well as masculinity, right? Now, it is important for us to always remember Jesus uh, came as a man, and that he revealed himself as a man. But God also possesses all that is good and true, which means the feminine as well as the masculine attributes. So that's really important to see. Ladies can say amen this morning. Observation number one. This morning, the pursuit of wisdom is the pursuit of what it means to be fully human. The pursuit of wisdom is the pursuit of what it means to be fully human. But look at the book of John, chapter 1, starting with verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, we've looked at this passage a lot before in the life of our church. But, but one thing that I want us to see is we just read Proverbs 8. Wisdom is saying, I was there from the beginning. I was there from the beginning when God laid the foundations of the earth. I was there with him. There's a parallel here with John chapter 1. The word was there in the beginning. Those two are kind of together. There's a parallel there. The word is the beginning just as wisdom is described. And also earlier in this chapter, if we were to read it, we would see people are rejecting wisdom just as in John, they're rejecting the word. Okay, so that parallel continues. Both wisdom and the word are personified and both of them come as light into a dark place. Yeah. Proverbs chapter 9 says this. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city, let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways, and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. 
Proverbs chapter 9, we have wisdom here saying, come eat at my house. Share a meal with, with me. All of you who are outcast, all of you who are sinful, all of you who don't know the way to be human or the way to live, come and eat at my house is what wisdom is saying. Okay, you can, alarm bells might be going off here, but Matthew chapter 11, this is Jesus speaking. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, as they say. He has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they said he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. Okay. Jesus here is responding to a group of people who have a lot of concerns about him. If we look at the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 21, there's this instruction, and it's actually kind of scary, but there's this instruction for parents of how to deal with rebellious children, okay? So this, just listen up today, those of you that have this. They're supposed to say this, exactly, word for word. This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then they're supposed to stone him to death. So, so that's in the Bible. Um, and, and what can we say? I mean, kids aren't supposed to be rebellious, right? It's in, it's in the Bible. So Jesus is saying, this is probably what you're saying about me, right? You're saying that, that I'm a rebellious son. You're trying to pull Deuteronomy 21 out on me. Jesus is obviously frustrated. And what's difficult about this is John the Baptist is over here on one side, and he has lived this set-apart holy life he's kind of separated himself he's, he's lived as holy as he possibly can and people say john the baptist has a demon okay well then jesus is just basically proclaiming and living this joyous celebration and party that the kingdom of god is breaking through in the world he's showing everybody's brought in everybody's welcome to the table it's about people it's not about procedures and he's showing this radical acceptance and forgiveness and they're saying that he's a false prophet and a rebellious son. It's like, we can't win with you guys. <laughs> you say John the Baptist is a demon, and you say that I'm a rebellious son. But Jesus makes this direct connection with his own miracles and teaching and the wisdom tradition that we we're talking about, specifically Proverbs. If you notice, in Proverbs 9, people are upset because there's a meal that's happening. There's a meal, and all the outcasts are welcome in. Here in Matthew 11, there's a meal, there's a party that's happening. All are welcome in, and people are upset. We see Jesus, the fulfillment of this wisdom tradition. We don't have time to look at all of those connections today and, and all the places where Jesus pulls on this wisdom tradition, but uh, Matthew chapter 12, 42 is one of the most obvious ones. Um, it's Jesus speaking. The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now one greater than Solomon is here. So Jesus says he is greater than Solomon. And we see that with all the different traditions, Jesus actually does this. All those grand themes that I was talking about in the beginning. Jesus fulfills that tradition and then supersedes that tradition. We saw this with presence. There's a temple that shows God's presence is the sign of God's presence. Jesus is the new temple. With Torah, we talked about that. There's this law that's given, this covenant that's given. Jesus is the new Torah and the new Torah giver. 
We saw this with God speaking or God's word. God has spoken and his, his word does things. Jesus is God's word, God speaking, bringing about new creation. This Jesus guy's a big deal, right? If you haven't figured that out yet. And now we see this with wisdom. Jesus is greater than the wisdom of Solomon and he is the fulfillment of wisdom. Observation number two. Jesus stands as the fulfillment of the wisdom tradition, greater than Solomon, inviting those outside the table, leading us into a new way of being human. The last section here, I want to look at Colossians. This is the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. Colossians 1, starting with verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have the fullness, all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Many people think this is actually a hymn here that that is being sung. And this hymn does something brilliant. It brings together old creation and new creation. Christ was in the beginning. Creation came from him in the first place. But also he is now, through his resurrection, the firstborn from among the dead, bringing about new creation. Paul recognizes here that the world's broken because of sin. We see that all around us. God's plan, because of human decision, has gone horribly off track. But through his resurrection, Jesus has brought about this healing, this restoration, this reconciliation, which takes all that is broken about old creation, all that is broken because of human sin, and redeems it and makes it new. Paul here in this passage places Jesus in the place where wisdom had been. Jesus is the one in whom all things are created. And in him, God has reconciled all things to himself. So Paul is here and he's encouraging the Colossian church that in Jesus, they have the foundation for wisdom. This is a culture where a lot of people are talking about wisdom and ways to achieve wisdom and secret knowledge. And he's saying, in Jesus, you already have the foundation for wisdom. He's telling the church that once you have Christ, you don't need to fake wisdom. You don't need to go after a pseudo kind of holiness. You have Jesus. There is nothing above the wisdom that's found in him. Jesus is the fulfillment of the wisdom tradition, and all wisdom is found in him. And in Jesus, we see what it means to be truly human. We see that in his teachings, right? The Sermon on the Mount, in his parable, right? His parables about uh, the Good Samaritan, right? Even about the lost coin. We see this kind of new way of being human. But ultimately, we see that he doesn't just teach these things. He walks it out. He walks it out. All wisdom is found in him. The pursuit of wisdom ultimately at its core, should be the pursuit of Jesus. God celebrated the poor in spirit, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the good Samaritan, the prodigal son. He healed the woman with the issue of blood. He fed the hungry crowd. He healed the leper. 
but also in his resurrection, his death and resurrection, he took on our sin, um, took on our sin for our sake. And he leads us into a renewed humanity by his resurrection. Christ's resurrection is the hope that he's making all things new, including you and including me. So observation number three, the pursuit of Jesus is the pursuit of true wisdom. Pursuit of Jesus is the pursuit of true wisdom. So one thing we might ask ourselves uh, this morning is, in what ways are we pursuing wisdom in our life? Um, are, are the things that are growing in your life things that look like Jesus? Are you part of healing and restoration in your life? And those are really big kind of concepts, I know. But, but are you really part in your day in and day out of putting things back together, healing and restoring things? Are we a forgiving people? A people who forgive, who don't hold grudges. Are we inhabiting the scriptural story? And I say that, it does mean, yes, reading the Bible. Yes, that's a big part. But also inhabiting the scriptural story, are we allowing it to capture our imagination? Are we allowing it to actually lead us in our lives? Are you spending time in your life, and this may be a tough one, with the equivalent of tax collectors and sinners? Are we doing that? Are we cultivating that in our lives? Are we engaged in community with those around us? What does your prayer life look like? Jesus embodied a radical new way of praying. Can you cultivate some prayer and spiritual formation practices in your life? My hope this morning is, is that we would continue to seek to be a community who are constantly occupied with the pursuit of wisdom. But really, the pursuit of Jesus is what that means. Um, this week, I was... Uh, kind of hit me, because I wrote this sermon a while back, and um, did a lot of research on it and everything, and then I, I went through a lot of stuff this week, just, just random questions of, I wish that I could, God, would you just give me the answer to this? Would you just fix this? Would you tell me what I'm supposed to do here exactly? And I felt like what he told me is, is, you're asking for revelation, but I'm trying to cultivate wisdom, right? There's a sense of, you're asking me for this just dramatic answer. And, and I give those. <laughs> he gives those things. But in those in-between times, how can we allow that wisdom to be cultivated in us in everyday life? Everyday kind of stuff. The people that you interact with at, at work or at school. Um, the ways that you um, engage with your family. Um, in what ways is wisdom being cultivated in your heart? And how do we know it's wisdom? Because it looks like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Um, we're thank thankful that you're a God who's with us in the everyday life. That there are big and amazing and dramatic things that you do in the world and that you speak to us in the world. But, but Lord, you also care about the everyday. You care about cultivating character and wisdom in our hearts. So Lord, as many of us have been really seeking that revelation, would you speak to us and maybe even whisper in our ear, I am cultivating wisdom in you. Our desire is ultimately to be more like you. That's really what this thing is all about. That we would be a people, individually and, and, as, and corporately as a community, who are oriented towards who you are and your character and your nature. Thank you for your love towards us. Um, Lord, we trust you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we all stand together? We're excited about what God's doing uh, in the midst of our community. And even in the midst of change, um, can often be a great time for God to cultivate wisdom in us. As you go today, we as always want to remind you of God's blessing. 
I pray that we would be a people, may we be a people who are guided in the way of Jesus. May we be a people who are always seeking and pursuing who he is and seeking true wisdom. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you safe in his arms. May he make his beautiful face shine on you and bounce off into the world. May he turn his countenance towards you so that no matter what you're facing or dealing with or going through, that you would know he is looking directly at you with love. And may he give you peace, a peace that passes all your circumstances, all the things you're unsure about. May it guard your heart and guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Go in peace today. If you want to stay around for prayer, those of you that would need prayer, uh, our prayer team will be here. Um, have a great afternoon.